Good evening. You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Joining me today is 3MA founder, Troy Goodfellow. Hello. Happy whatever day this is, or when you're listening to it. It's a beautiful spring's finally here in most places in the world, I think. So naturally, we're all inside talking about strategy games on Skype. (laughs) We know our audience. Uh, We also welcome back our friend, game designer David Heron of the Game Design Roundtable podcast. Hello. I'm looking out a beautiful bay window. I'm totally okay for the next hour. Uh, Finally, for the first time, we are joined by freelance critic Austin Walker of ClockworkWorlds.com. Austin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I can see a farmer's market in the distance that I cannot attend because I'm on this podcast with you. It's gorgeous. It's great. I wish I was there. But I'm glad you've invited me. I am staring at a windowless corner of an undersized bedroom <laughs> in an apartment that had no business being a two-bedroom. Uh, so so I feel like I've already lost today's podcast. Uh, anyway, today's topic uh, actually comes from a conversation that uh, David Heron and I were having as we played a few too many games of Heroes of the Storm last week. Uh, there's a very important <laughs> lesson about quitting while you're ahead uh, that Heroes of the Storm <laughs> taught us last week. Uh, and I suspect we'll have to relearn it uh, every weekend with Heroes. But anyway, as we were sort of grinding game after game, we got to talking about what we've been playing lately. And that also indirectly turns into the games we haven't been playing or haven't been enjoying. And David, you said something that sort of caught my attention. You said that you've been playing Forex games lately and starting to wonder, like, why am I playing this? What's the point of this? Uh, And that struck a chord with me because it's actually a thought that I'm having more and more these days myself. Uh, Dave, why why don't you tell us a little bit about, like, why is the Forex genre, which has been this sort of staple and standby for so long, uh, why is it leaving you colder and colder these days? Well, I think think the example... um... I think I had asked you what you were playing, and you had mentioned there was a an upcoming Forex game, and I won't, I won't drop the name, and you were actually enjoying it, and I and I said that's great, and I had mentioned that um, a number of games have sort of just bounced off of me, and my sort of relationship with Forex games um, dates back right to my beginning, you know, gamer DNA. These are things that I've I've loved all the way through. I've at you know various times idolized people like Sid Meier's and. Uh, Brian Reynolds and Soren and, you know, I, I've developed a relationship with John Schaefer. So Civ has just been like this, this thing that I've, I've really gravitated to. Um, but lately I have been, um, been downloading games. So, uh, I guess Warlock, the Warlock series, Endless Legend, I sort of, sort of came up and I've just bounced off of them. And the conversation that we had is, is I likened, um, a forex game or, or this relationship or part of a forex game is um, a lot like when you make a Dungeons and Dragons character. So when you make a Dungeons and Dragons character, I think a large amount of the enjoyment uh, comes about dreaming about the potential. You make your your level one rogue and you give him some skills and you pick the race. Um, but what you're secretly thinking about, and actually not so secretly thinking about, is, well, at level eight, I'll be able to pick this. At level 16, I'll get this. Mm-hmm. It's this like mental... This mental trick that we tell ourselves, this is like eternally delayed gratification. It's because we know that it's never going to get to level 16. I know that this is that this is just <laughs> never going to happen. So there's this weird self-flagellation that goes on, but it's 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 generally enjoyable. And I think with 4X games, um, some of it's the same thing. It's I think I'm rarely excited about the stuff that I'm doing, but I'm excited about the stuff that it's the 
the promise of what's going to happen 25 turns, 100 turns from, from when you do. Those little baby steps don't matter. Uh, I find them insignificant. All of a sudden, I just realized this has started to sound like a Werner Herzog. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so you just inexorably move one more turn towards an increasingly certain future. <laughs> um, but but that, so yeah, so what I mean is that like even those like lofty goals of the wonder, I think often feel anticlimactic. And so what I think is sort of this enormity that I think of a four X game is actually in in some cases seemingly increasingly so a little bit more of this like an illusion of progress instead of an a feeling of actual progress. And what I mean is like you're making decisions that um, feel that have consequence and that sort of change the, the, the future. And what's been happening is I think I've become a little bit more sensitive as I've made free to play stuff of like Skinner box type things. And mm. with some of these more, some of the games lately, I've been bouncing off of them because it just feels that the pacing of those little moments are, is off or they're not, they're not meaningful enough. And I, and I, and I just, I spend too long feeling like I'm not making important or critical decisions. And it just becomes, it feels obvious and a chore. And, and, it, and, I, and it feels like this is a problem that I've already solved. You know, I've already built this engine before in a dozen mm. games. So, I mean, this, that actually pushes, like, there's a number of questions I have with that. First of all, like, is part of it the fact that there's a lot of people working within the genre right now who I think are... No, I don't want to call it like a B team situation, but there's a lot of people making these games like right now. I feel like uh, more than perhaps in the past, there's there's a lot of forexes we're, we're getting hit with. I'm seeing a lot of different takes on the genre, um, and once you start seeing that happen more and more, and it's no longer a situation of like, okay, well here's the new sieve, first new sieve, and in like three or four years. Um, once that's no longer happening, it stops being a special event. You start seeing like, okay, this is the forex of the spring. This is the forex of the summer. Right. This is the forex of the fall. You start seeing the similarities uh, a lot, and I think the once they start feeling like exercises in just sort of genre design, and no longer like these special events that are returned to a fond past experience. Do you think that's that's sort of playing into it at all? That you've we've been to this dance too many times at this point. I think possibly. I think. I think. I think. You know, you can only read a mystery novel once before you know the answer. And I think that um, a lot of the problems, a lot of the, a lot of the new games end up being, you know, retellings of the same mystery. Well, that's and, certainly true. Yeah. And and so and so, um, when I when I approach a new game and I see that you know there's the granary equivalent or there's the mm -hmm there's the whatever is I, is I sort of understand about, well, okay, you got to get population and you're going to, you're going to, and, 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 and at most, at most, I think you, I find myself, um, trying to categorize or sort of put things into buckets and I can say like, oh, well, this is a 4X game where you're trying to create specialized cities, or this is one where you're trying to create um, more, more, more generalized, independent uh, uh, industry hubs, right? Like, like there's sort of, there's sort of, I think, I think a dichotomy there, or at least there's a false right. dichotomy, and 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 then that sort of dictates the next, the next sort of few logical steps. 
I was going to push back against that, the mystery yep. uh, analogy mm-hmm. that you were going to use until you got to that last little bit there where where this notion of like, oh, I understand this game now and, mm-hmm. and I get it and now I want to move on to something new. I'm so familiar with that feeling. And it's hard for me to know as a critic whether that's something that's that's uh, part of, oh, I have to play all these games quickly and move on to the next thing. Or if that is just this actual burnout around, around uh, being subsumed in so many games of the same type and, and playing and replaying so many 4X games where the feeling of understanding what's at what's on the table and like once i understand where all the moving pieces are i'm not interested in in reconfiguring them again and again and again in most cases i'm interested in seeing some some other completely new table with completely with completely different parts and and i'm always frustrated when i find oh no these are the same parts again uh so in a sense it's almost like not like i'm i'm burnt out on the single mystery novel that i'm rereading it's that i'm burning out on the conventions of the mystery genre mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. it's like oh okay the the killer is always this like you know this mm-hmm. is this sort of crime story um and and yeah i don't know i don't know if the solution is a break or what i do have a question though david which is you said earlier that you were uh you you made this great analogy of the D and D character. That's you know, oh, I can't wait till I get to my level one thief to level sixteen. You know, you can multiclass, you can do all these great other things. What is level sixteen of the four X game for you? What is the what is the potential that you want to get to in terms of like any individual game? When you say, oh, that's the game state that I'm looking for. That's the game state that's so attractive that's making me play one more turn after another. Right. Well, I, I, I think it's often the, it's often the victory condition. Um, okay. And I think I think I think more more so. I think I think more, if we, if we look at the at the most popular ones and we look at the latest one, I think um, if we look at uh, John Schaefer's Vanilla Civ Five, I think mm-hmm. it's completely emblematic of this. That game was uh, so streamlined and so. I think elegantly f- uh, folded back on itself. He had sort of created this origami of of systems that everything sort of led into each other and everything fit together well. Um, but it was sort of, and I think the um, oh help help me out. What is it? What is the civics equivalent? Mm. Uh, social what, policies. Social policies. I think right, the social right. policy system was probably the most uh, sort of. Uh, I think uh, symptomatic of uh, 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 of this, where where you said, "This is the game that I want to win by uh, by diplomacy mm-hmm. or or by by uniting the United Nations." And you looked, and that that right away you said Greece or or there you know there were mm-hmm. a number of things, and you're like, "I'm going to do this by I'm going to engage in these things. Here are the social policies." These are the build orders. I'm gonna I'm gonna get the support of all the principalities. I'm gonna you know blah blah blah. Or you said I am going to go research, and you pick the Carthaginians. Probably not the Carthaginians. <laughs> I forget. I forget. You know who whoever it was. Um, or I'm going to do the one city challenge. Pick right. India, right? right? And and so right from the very beginning, I think you're sort of you're building these things and and. And what you were looking for in Civ Five was there were all these plus two percent, plus five percent, mm-hmm. plus whatever that in concert by by six hours in, all of a sudden you had this un unstoppable juggernaut of cultural power or science power or you know you know you were you were uh, you had uh, stealth bombers when. Everyone else was fighting with uh, World War One infantry. <laughs> right. 
Right. I'm having the opposite problem, I think, um, which is that my level 16 thief, my my the thing that I want to get the juices out of this game isn't the win condition. Mm-hmm. It's that moment about seven or eight hours before the win in a Civ game. It's mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's the good mid to late game, not yeah, the late yeah, game yeah, where it falls right. apart. It's I want to fall into the space where the world is colonized. I have. I have things mostly working, but I also feel like I have a, a huge table of options of where to where to develop my civilization going forward. And I have this in, in you know every 4X game that I play. And I think I think I have to blame Paradox's grand strategy games for yes. that. Yeah. Which have which were what brought me back to the strategy game, right? I'd left strategy games for mm-hmm. years and I came back in through Crusader Kings 2 and then and then went into into from Grand Strategy back to 4X games again. But but Playing CK2 and some of the other grand strategy games out of Paradox, I, I realized that the thing I most want to see happening is lots of established powers interacting in interesting ways. Um, and because of that, a lot of the things that that can be interesting and different and kind of differentiating factors of different 4X games in the kind of first two X's in the exploration and uh, ex- Ex, ex, what's the second one? I'm, what's the one I'm missing? Uh, exploration, expansion, 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 the expansion, the expansion and, and expansion uh, segments feel so similar to me um, mm-hmm. at this point across 4X games, with with some notable differences. And I really like those differences. I really do like building new cities in Endless Legend. Um, they they don't feel the same for me as building new cities in Civ. And I feel like everything else in the world feels like building new cities in Civ. Uh, so, so there are some exceptions to that, but in general, what I really, what, what the thing I wish more for X games did was blow up that middle section of the game where everything feels heated and feels like there is, uh, actual opposition there. Um, th- that for me is the juice. That's, that's the meat. Uh, and it seems so rare that, that, that meat is there. And then that mm-hmm. meat is interesting, right? I think, I, I think that's so astute, Austin. I think you're, you're, you're absolutely right about what the, what the level 16, where the enjoyment part is. And, and I think a lot of the problem that I'm having personally is that I'm not even getting to that 16. <laughs> and I think we've right. had this similar thing and like folding it back and, and, and being really saying, um, you know, that, that, uh, Crusader Kings 2 was the first Paradox game I was able to penetrate through. I said mm-hmm. U4 is going to be the one I spent a lot of time with. Um, and, and I think that those have sort of uh, maybe mm, ruined me for, or has, or it's, it's not ruined. It is, it has reset my expectations for what that reward pacing right. loop is, right? right? For, for what the, the, what it means to set um, a lot, like what is a long-term goal? And right. what is the complexity in in a long term goal? How do you get? How do you pass on succession to someone that isn't supposed to get, is isn't supposed to rule? What machinations right. do you have to do? And what what are the three or four systems that you have to engage with? Um, that that frankly I'm not as proficient in. So so it is this very personal thing. What's the difference between a four X game and a grand strategy game? I hate the term forex. Can we just get this? Yeah, here? perfect. Me too. But it's perfect. really, it's really a terrible, terrible term. It, it grew out of, it's an old. It grew out of you know, um, Alan Emrich way back when Civ and Master of Orion were kind of new mm-hmm. games, and they take you know each X individually. And if the game has all those forexes, Age of Empires has those forexes, but we don't call <laughs> it a, but we don't right. call it a forex game. Right. But, I mean that's okay because all games, a lot of games have role playing, but they're not all role playing games. Sure. So I'm fine with that. I mean. It's a term that at Paradox, um, we've substituted Empire Builder mm-hmm. because European Universalis and Civilization have more in common than 
Joke Universalis and StarCraft, though sure. they're both real-time. Uh, so we've substituted Empire Builder because they do have that similarity. But I think you know, the classic idea of the Forex compared to something like imperialism or our game strategy games at Paradox is you start with the one thing. Right. You start with the one mm-hmm. city, the one location, and you build out from there. Everything is exploration. Everything is expansion from that one point on. So I think that if we are to have a distinction between Forex and other empire-building games, the distinction is you start with one city, one tile, and you expand from there. So you would have things like uh, Elemental uh, in that. You would have mm-hmm. Endless Legends. You would have... Right. Uh, games of that sort. I'm not sure what Sorcerer King is yet because I haven't played it. But Stardog, Galsiv would be another one. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Star Drive, uh, which I also haven't tried. So I think that is the. Dis- I think those are the types of games we're mostly talking about. I want to because I want to jump back to the Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. analogy here because I said the discussion I was having with um, someone else uh, um, the other day. I really love the early part of the 4X games, and it kind of ties me into like Pillars of Eternity, which I'm also playing. Paradox game. Uh, this is not an ad. <laughs> this, is, this is not an ad for our games. Uh, this isn't a promotion, but it's a character building, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone. That's almost everyone's favorite part mm-hmm. of the game is looking at all the combinations and looking at the characters, and they can spend hours doing it. Um, our friend Bruce Garrick famously never finished Icewind Dale, but he spent like 20 hours building different characters. <laughs> uh, and I think that is why the early game of... I mean, I've played many 4X games till the, to their conclusion, but because they do have this... You do get the mid-game hump. Really, you know, the character building and seeing how things start mm-hmm. and building that city on a brand new map, that's where the real fun is for me, seeing it to its conclusion. We've, I mean, there's the whole snowball effect problem, which we talked about years and years ago on the show, the issue that if things are going really, really well in a 4X game... By two-thirds of the way through, it's a foregone conclusion. You don't need to play it through. And I think that's part of the problem with the constant expansion design. There's not enough roadblocks in your way. And I think this is why Endless Legend, brilliant game, great great early game, great mid-game. The end game sort of falls apart because it runs into all of these traditional issues. And I think the traditional 4X, many games still haven't hit that point. So we do have kind of different the appeal for a lot of these things for a lot of people is the different settings it's the variation in mythology it is this is forgotten realms versus vampire masquerade versus whatever uh but still you've got a gm telling you a story um and i think for a lot of people i think even for me that's kind of the buy-in for many uh, traditional 4X type designs uh, at this point, and I, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm tired of them, but I, I certain because you know they're my bread and butter. They're the games that mm-hmm. I uh, that draw me drew me into the genre. So there's, there's go ahead, go ahead. Well, there, there's there's two things actually I want to I want to pick up from there. One, and we might return to this later, is I find it actually very telling that everyone got behind Endless Legend so much last year. Mm-hmm. despite the fact that nobody could really tell for certain whether it actually worked as a strategy game. In the final analysis, right. you know, when the thing you were building toward at the end, the game kind of got wonky and fell apart there at the end, so did it really work? And the answer is nobody cared. Nobody yeah. cared at all. Yeah. Like, Rowan Kaiser and I had a long, boozy conversation <laughs> about how much we loved Endless Legend, and at some point it occurred to one of us to ask, like, but is it a good strategy game? 
didn't really matter. Didn't actually, <laughs> didn't actually, didn't actually yeah. come up. Had uh, a great time. I don't like. I don't care what the steak is made of. Did it taste good? Okay, good. Yeah, you exactly. And yeah. I actually think that that's sort of symptomatic of something that's happening in, in the. I'm going to revive the term 4X for just a moment, uh, because actually I think the 4X term is useful, not just descriptively, but I think one of the things that's happening within the genre is that games are being built as 4Xs, but then increasingly the way they work is at odds mm. with the way a 4X, what a 4X tells you to do. And I think Civilization's an interesting case to look at here, Troy, mm -hmm. uh, because, like, one of the things, like, I think Soren brought up a, a while ago on the show is that, like, the One City Victory, right, was never supposed to be a victory mm -hmm. condition. It was, it, was, it was an Iron Man challenge. It was something right. that people did once they'd broken the game, were bored with it, and were trying to do something different. And suddenly it becomes integrated as, well, of course the game has to be finishable and, and beatable on one city. <laughs> um, of course you need a, a victory condition for people who don't actually want to expand and eliminate all their neighbors. Right. And so eventually you get these games with all these systems that are built for those huge blown-out mid-games. Remember Civilization Two. I mean, I, I'm hard-pressed to name a game of Civilization 2 that didn't end with people just beating the living crap out of each other with massive mm -hmm. armies all over in these huge empires. The Space Victory was a way to get the hell out of that game, but it was still going to involve some pretty big swings of fortune uh, on the battlefield. Now you have all these 4Xs where they're like, hey, you know, here's ha have a bunch of military options. Aren't these military options cool? What about separate battle systems? Those are great. But then they also turn around and say, but just so you know, you don't have to do any of this. It's it, it can be irrelevant. You don't want to play a military game? You don't have to. You want to play an empire builder where you never build an empire? Go for it. <laughs> and I think that starts to, I think over time, that makes these things sort of weird and unsatisfying because mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I think it starts to lead to this thing where, okay, the game's giving me all these tools, but almost like a stealth game, right? That then turns around and gives you action tools. Mm -hmm. The game t t gives you all these options. But then it also says, yeah, but if you're going to use any of those victory conditions, you really got to only use one set of tools. Yeah, yeah this is my problem with the, the with the vanilla Civ Five. I mean, as uh, David so clearly laid out, is to do some of these things, you needed to pick a certain civilization because the game was kind of focused and narrowed. And as we've mentioned on the show many times, you had to pretty much choose which victory you were going for within the first 25 turns, because mm -hmm. otherwise, forget it. Now, since the expansions, that's changed a bit. There's There are actually ways to recover uh, from slow, from early defeats. There are ways to change your direction. And I think that gives uh, quite a bit of credit to the Firaxis team for moving that in that direction. And then we have Beyond Earth, which is a very, very traditional uh, 4X game. And you can almost, and maybe it's because I'm so used now to this, these variations you're talking about, Rob, that I kind of looked at it saying, wow, I've done this so many times before, and Civ's moved way past this, and other games have moved way past this. And, you know, where is, I got to, where are the special funky onions on my burger? Yeah. Yeah, that was the thing too. the The surprising thing for me, uh, the surprising thing for me was that was that you know I left Beyond Earth feeling feeling like it was a much more grounded and boring world than 
uh, Endless Legend, which I, I would have sworn going into it was going to be a, a, a kind of disappointing, like, just, I felt like I was going to be buried under bad lore in Endless Legend, and I'd hoped that Beyond Earth would be evocative without being <laughs> overwhelming, and in fact, it turned out surprisingly not to be that way. Um, a friend of mine, Ian Williams, wrote a really good piece about Endless Legend uh, and some other some other games like King of Dragon Pass for Paste recently uh, on the kind of mythopoetic uh, way that strategy games can 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 lean on interesting stories and, and sets of lore without overwhelming you to be evocative. Um, and I think Endless Legend does that really well. I think Beyond Earth completely fails at that. And I think I think Sid Meier's Starships, which I recently reviewed, really just nothing. There's just no soul in that game. Um, and, and that ends up being really frustrating for me because only a little bit of that would, would help what I think are, are you know, fairly solid designs um, to, to really glow uh, and and to bring me in in a, in a little bit stronger of a way. Um. Yeah, Starships is an interesting, weird little case because it, it is. is sort of a 4X game, but also sort of not because you're right. not a civilization. You're some super fleet. Right. You're a single, going... you're a single unit and you're going through occupied space, right? Like, and I've actually kind of had to contend with that recently, which is, is, is maybe the reason I don't like 4X games as much as I used to because my politics are so leftist. Because, I, because, the, very, <laughs> because like, the very notion of the 4X game is that there is an unspoiled world for the strongest to explore and exploit, right? Like that is the, the myth of the 4X game is we were all here. We all had a shot at this go. Um, you know, I, I'm being very reductive here and I love a 4X game. I, I really do. But compared to something like Starships uh, or or um, like the grand strategy games we talked about before, or even something really wild like The Last Federation, um, which I need to talk about. I need to talk about The Last Federation because it's the weirdest thing. Um, those are worlds that feel inhabited already, or, or or at least, or even something like Distant Worlds after all of the expansions have come out, and, and with a certain with the right galaxy settings, it immediately feels like that place is inhabited already, uh, and that everything I'm doing is is I'm still exploring. I'm still finding new cool stuff um but that stuff isn't like pristine you know the 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 promised land ready for me to expand my my industry onto it and and you know pull out every last bit of nutrient fiber from it um so so that's that's been really interesting the other thing that i think endless endless legend and uh again the last federation which i I, again i'm going to get deep into that in a second but what they both do really well is faction differentiation in a way that's more than just five percent this two percent that um or even just access to special units uh can i can i talk to you about last federation yes. can i be the guy our, who brings produ- up- our producer michael hermes will in fact not let you off the show he's not here right now <laughs> okay. but he would actually materialize if we did not talk about an Ar- so, arkin game arkin oh arkin i mm. So Arkin, <laughs> first of all, first of all, Rob linked me to a, ne- a new Arkin game that's coming out soon that we should talk about before we finish uh, this. But 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 let's come back to that. Last Federation was a game that came out last spring from Arkin, um, in which uh, the setup is is pristine. It's perfect. I love it so much. You play as the last surviving ship in a, a, a galactic fleet of, like, the evil, the big bads. You're, you're a race called, like, the Hydral or something like that. You're basically space hydras. Um, and you you turned traitor. You became a good hydra. You were the Drizzt Durden of, of evil space evils. Uh, and, and what you do in that game is spend hours trying to build a federation of the remaining races uh, 
by you know through allegiances, through war, um, and and through manipulating and and kind of managing and navigating through their the intricacies of their internal dip diplomacy systems. Um, it's a game in which the different powers all really do function differently. So the the uh, you know the super communist space owls don't want to invade anywhere, uh, and and their political system internally is completely different than the insect queen because you know the insect queen doesn't want money, the insect queen doesn't want food, like she doesn't need anything the way the space capitalists do. And and navigating those different systems is really interesting, and from the jump feels like feels like that neat mid-game. Um, and, and it completely throws away the notion that, like, I have my empire. Uh, also, it's a bullet-held tactical game. Also, it's a game <laughs> where you control a spaceship and it's it's a real-time pause situation where you kind of direct your spaceship across a bullet-hell open, like, sandbox firefight. It's really weird. Arkin, they make weird games. Uh, but, but for me, the thing that was interesting there was it said, okay, how can we do a strategy game that's about differentiated factions um, that isn't just about exploration and expansion? Uh, and I'll take that every day over another Mutu clone. Um, I really will. I think I think uh, that's so interesting that I that um, I've never heard of it. I'm looking at the Steam page now. It's it, a weird it, thing. It's yeah, weird. Weird is the is the right is the right uh, it, word it, for it. But I think it, the word it's sorry, very Arkin. Ahead, it's, it's very Arkin. We'll just say that. Sure. Yes. <laughs> I, I think I think one of the things that you hit on was was like um, asymmetry. So not only in the faction yes. but also in the world state. Mm -hmm. um, I have been. Playing around with um, John Schaefer's At the Gates for the last know, two years now, um, and it's it's shaping up into something, and it's changed very much. But this is again of uh, so so it's taking a spin on the 4X stuff, and I think in a way that you know we'll we'll see how people react to it. But here's a here's a world where the world is set, like everything the right. the the Romans exist. And this isn't this this uh, and you start with your one little unit, but the rest of the world. So it's it's this right. it's this it's this uh, you know it's not a paradox game. Well, I guess it's a paradox game if you were to start with a one region state. Right. I'm sure there's some there's some uh, Scottish uh, king that probably only has one. one Ulm. There's bomb. always Ulm. Everyone Ulm, loves right? everyone loves Ulm. <laughs> and 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 this is a, and this is a, and he's also done this other interesting thing where the exploit is very exploitive. It is exploitive in that their the resources are exhaustible, right? And moving will be a part of it. And it has gone from being a very roguelike game in concept, where when we originally were talking about it, you know, we were talking, me and John were talking about a forty-five minute. 4x game right so now it's a more traditional length but it is this leapfrogging of of movement and as part of the random map and as part of the existence of the romans there is this uh if you think about a roguelike where you're going deeper and deeper into a dungeon right and things are getting harder and harder where it sort of limits the possibility of a snowball effect that you see in other 4X games. That's a little bit about what happens when you when you when you pick up your your camp and you you move it across the river. You move it you move you move it to where there's a new supply of honey or or uh, uh, lumber. 
And um, so what, what happens is, is that that really fun part where you're exploring new terrain and you're setting up the engine to sustain yourself, um, that's not the end of the game. Like like in many games, mm -hmm. I find that the, the, create, the, the, the creation of the sustainability engine is the first boring step before you can actually start playing the game. And in and in at the gates, it is this constant uh, renewal uh, cycle that you have to go through. That you have a because you are a randomly generated map, and you're constantly exploring. That your pieces are different, and and like you like you know when you when you first start, you may have access to a bunch of grains, and so you can become farmers. But when you move, you may no longer have grains. You mm -hmm. may be moving to a place where there's you know tundra, and all there are you have to you have to start scavenging more. And with his tribe system, you now have these like interpersonal things. And so so what happens is is that the actual systems in the game, um, he's not trying to say like you can you can play it dip diplomatically or you can play it culturally and, and you can you don't only you don't have to build these systems. There is a way to play at the gates. It's exploit the land, feed your okay. tribe, get your tribe better, find technology, move, conquer find the romans do your gothic thing <laughs> right um so i think that's going to be really interesting but that, that, that is great. derived it's derived entirely from from the asymmetry well and it sounds like uh, you know i haven't played it but it but it sounds like one of the things that's important there is is not only the, the kind of general asymmetry um but also but also the need to engage with that asymmetry and not just play a uh, a solitaire game right like i'm it's mm -hmm. not just about um making the the society that functions perfectly i can defend my borders and i can research my way to victory um that was actually one of my biggest problems with starships was because the enemy only had one fleet uh it was pretty easy to manage my borders and just research my way to victory anytime i wanted to um and and that's a thing that can comes up in a lot of different 4x games uh so so having a very specific goal like for instance the destruction of the romans uh that that requires me to engage with the the kind of exploitation uh and the military and the you know whatever the political system ends up being like that sounds really good uh and it kind of goes against or kind of it kind of uh, counters one of the things that Rob was saying earlier, which is that so often in 4X games there are all of these different systems that feel vestigial and don't feel necessary. Um, in the in the goal of offering you a billion win conditions, uh, it basically ends up creating a billion disjointed systems that don't necessarily connect together in a meaningful way. Something I wanted to bring up about your view of starships austin mm -hmm. is that there's a thematic element to all of this as well that i think should not be underestimated that uh you know as you right. said the, these all start with the fantasy of uh here's a virgin pristine world <laughs> for you to take over and conquer and club right. each other to death uh and i think you know we, we've made it surprisingly far without this turning into an alpha centauri podcast but i've got I've got <laughs> we had a good yes. run everybody but we're talking <laughs> about alpha centauri now um and I think I, I think one of the reasons that Alpha Centauri actually is so memorable isn't just that it's a great game. And actually, there's mm -hmm. a lot of things you pick at even at the time uh, that were sort of issues in the game. But what Alpha Centauri, what made Alpha Centauri interesting, is that it was really self-aware. 
yeah. about the fantasy of the 4X and the inherent problems in, in what you were doing in that game. Alpha Centauri is a game that looks back at Civ, looks at the arc yes. of that, and says, that's incredibly troubling. And mm-hmm. where does that road actually go? And Alpha Centauri tries to answer that. Like, here's, here's how this would play out. Here's how the ideologies become, like, virulent and toxic, even the good ones, yep. uh, on a distant world. And then here are the ways that in the long run, uh, technology will just help us accelerate our own decline, even if we manage to escape our first dying world, uh, we'll encounter ourselves elsewhere. And it uses all the familiar mechanics to tell that story, uh, in part because it has some absolutely brilliant writing. Uh, Brian Reynolds did a fantastic job sort of creating the the narrative and characters uh, for that game. But I, I think even beyond that, it, it's just that it is critiquing its own genre while exercising all the elements of that genre. Absolutely. I can't say enough good things about that. I can probably say enough good things about Avicentori. Like, I think maybe we could revisit the way the tech tree works in that game. But but other than that, I think it is, it is uh, exceptional at being self-aware of n- not only the genre and, and the the ways in which the genre might be a little problematic, but but also in terms of as what I kind of wrote about was the the space narrative, the kind of science victory narrative that we hear again and again in the forex, which is like, yeah, this place is ruined by uh, like let's go to space, let's go to the new world, let's let's you know whatever the whatever the kind of almost like science is magic solution is. Uh, even Endless Legend has has one of those, right? Um, and it addressed all of that in a way that I think is really important and really substantial and it's why i'm so disappointed in beyond earth and in starships uh and it was and it was it did the thing that i think so many sci-fi 4x games fail to do which is manage to be interesting and evocative in its description of its technologies Mm -hmm. without being just like you know pulsar cannons mark seven or whatever right starship starships goes the other direction of course where it is literally just lasers one lasers two lasers three uh but alpha centauri does it so perfectly where um organic super lube great stuff great stuff but you have to watch it carefully slip away first chance you get exactly yeah that's perfect there's so much there's so much like that um why but here's my question why do you think what, what do you think this thematic... It, it, first of all, is the thematic issue becoming more of a problem in the forex genre a, as it goes on? Because it's easy to say, well, why aren't more games as good as Alpha Centauri, that sci-fi <laughs> masterpiece? That's easy to say. But are, other, but are other games even sort of trying to work in the same neighborhood? I don't think so. I don't think that there is the... You know, I go to a message board and all I read is, you know, why am I not... Why hasn't there been a good successor to Master of Orion 2? Uh, again and again and again and again and or or I read people say well Galsif 3 seems just like Galsif 2 with new coat of paint and then a thousand posts of like well that's okay Galsif 2 is great like yeah but like couldn't we couldn't someone do something a little more interesting couldn't someone at least push the boundaries of this stuff a little bit further we we know what works worked and and I don't suspect that there is a big political pushback most people aren't weirdos like me most people you know can can like fall neatly into their their power fantasy and I don't even think that that's a bad thing necessarily and I indulge in it often you know I really do I really like I said loved dumped hour after hour after hour into into endless legend and I don't think that that is necessarily really self-reflective on on the the troubling aspects or anything like that of the 4x um, but there's, so, so I don't think that there's any, there's any necessarily any, um, incentive to be 
self-reflective to try to push the boundaries of this thing in a way that that undercuts or interrogates the kind of base level assumptions of the genre. Um, it, what ends up happening is it just happens sometimes. Sometimes someone just makes a game that does see that that stuff is is worth pushing and pulling at a little bit. Um, we mentioned Arkin before, and what's the name of their new game that's that's in uh, development? Stars right Beyond now? Reach. Stars Beyond Reach, which which I like. The thing you have to lead with is you can't direct military troops in that game. There are military troops in that game. They say that you can direct force in some direction to some degree, but you're not ordering units around. Um, okay, that's interesting. Like, what's up with that? That's really okay. Like, you can do something with that. Uh, so I think that we'll see it, and I suspect we'll continue to see it out of places like, like Arkin, uh, where... Maybe the aesthetic isn't all the way there, or the aesthetic isn't something that most people can like grok or or deal with. Um, I know I tried really hard to play their mech tactics game. What's the name of that game? Um, I have it. One second. It's the one where you you play as uh, as a a a series of like tactical robots that are trying to push back against an evil huge robotic enemy by by kind of taking over little sections war. of the city not ai war no uh oh is this any bells has no one played this uh it's no. no i feel like it's are you sure you hallucinate this i mean uh, listen is it, it, are you sure it's arkin uh, actually is the real is the real question oh i am uh, uh it's called bionic dues um Bionic okay. Dudes. Terrible name. It's a terrible name. Uh, it's it's again a very Arkin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's called Arkin. You, or it's called Bionic Dudes. It's by Arkin. You're in a kind of uh, a big city, and the reason I bring this up here is because, like some of these other games we're talking about, it is another like take on the 4x in a sense because mm-hmm. uh, and, it, and it's a take on this this notion of like the already inhabited world the world in this case is a series of factories and nuclear power plants and arms manufacturers spread out across a mega massive like a, a massive city grid um and you they're already occupied by the evil robots and you have to send in your mechs to to take them out uh, and take over those facilities. It's very simple in that respect, but the aesthetic is like so bad. It's so rough to get my head around this thing that I know I should love. Um, so, I, but I think that that's where we're going to continue to see interesting stuff happening. Uh, a game called Hero Generation just came out. That's doing fairly well on Steam, and that's a a forex roguelike where every ca- you play a single character who can go around and build on the sides of cities and expand cities and upgrade the stuff while also fighting monsters. And every every step you take, every tile you move across, is a year in that character's life, and eventually they die. Uh, and if you don't pass on your genes before you die, if you don't continue your your dynasty, uh, you, the game is over. Um, so there are these little interesting things playing with the notions of what it means to, to what a 4X is and what the player's role in the 4X is. I really love it when games play with the kind of disregard the idea that like, oh, the 4X player is the, is the, you know, uh, omniscient space emperor or whatever, and really embodies you, gives you a specific view and perspective. Uh, and, and I'd like to see more games do that. Um, I want to go back to, so, so um, Rob, when you were talking about the, the sort of the challenging of the of the themes. Are are you really speaking about a sort of a a, a four X game through a like a post colonial studies lens? Mm-hmm. Is that is that, is that yeah? What you're, that's a, that's mm-hmm. a fair way to start. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So so I think that there's a there's there's one big sort of problematic uh, I think hurdle that needs to be avoided, and that's um from the development side is that four X games I think 
and just or grand strategy or empire builders. <laughs> it's a very like specialized skill set. There's only yeah. there's only a dozen people in North America that that are really, you know, really know what they're doing and can do it with any sort of certainty and, you know, there may there may be less than 50 people in the world that would know how to head up one of these these projects. Um it's a it's a it's a task and a scope that myself would be just absolutely uh paralyzed to to even begin. And so for someone I think to to actually make a a 4x game based upon the i don't know revolution in india or something like right. that right i think i think that that it would that right now sort of the resources the education and the uh sort of the um the privilege to undergo making a 4x game, mm-hmm. I think are, are unique to the genre. So right again, I think there are some generic, some generic issues. And then I think right away, um, it may not be, uh, the best way to have to sort of, to sort of envision, uh, what that, what that is. I think, you, uh, you know, as a, as a, you know, as a privileged of the privilege, it's very hard <laughs> for me to sort of, to sort of think about it. But, uh, it's something that I would be interested in in engaging with. I just don't know how it would ever how it's going to come about. Like, yeah, or or I don't. I I couldn't. I couldn't. I would never want to speak as to what it would look like. And um, you know, it would take someone like a Brian Reynolds or a Soren Johnson to 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 teach or to or to to somehow there needs to be a more democratization of the 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 knowledge and the resources to go into making something so specific because it is like just like the uh, the economy balancing and the and the ai are just absolutely incredible uh uh, undertakings and it's and i think it's it's in many ways why we see uh iterations of the same game sort of like fall on each other and sort of look in similar ways because Mm -hmm. i think that uh just I think people, smarter people than I, will tackle these problems, maybe fail, and then just go back to what's already been disappeared. to what works. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, the thing, the thing that two things come to mind really quick, and I will pass it back, Rob. I swear. No worries. No worries. Uh, is is one? It's interesting because the thing that we keep saying over and over again is how much we love love it when Forex games, when when Empire Builders, when Grand Strategy games, uh, lean into asymmetry, and the post-colonial strategy game could do that so incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, and this goes to to what Rob was talking about when he was talking about having a a kind of a drunken love in about Endless Legend was. At some level, I just want that game to exist. I don't care if it's well balanced. Um, it's important that it that it is that it's out there. And in fact, I, I mean, I'm obviously again being kind of reductionist here. I would like it to function. I would hope it's not buggy. I would like some ability to win on both sides. But I think that for me, the 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 best lesson I've ever learned about wanting to tackle these sorts of issues in game design comes from a tabletop game called Doggy Dog that came out a few years ago, which is a which is a it's a role playing game where where one player plays an imperial force, a colonizing force, and the other players all play characters inside of that space. The first rule of that game is the imperial force can win by genocide whenever it wants. It can win. It wins. It's always already won. 
Um, and what the gameplay is about is about whether or not the people in that space can contest with it in a way that produces either successful rebellion at a small scale or assimilation that they can be happy with. What is it like to live in that space under constant threat of genocide? Um, and you want to talk about asymmetry, like there it is. Uh, so I, I think maybe we'll get that game because it is evocative and interesting and it will just take, it takes someone to take that risk and, and the risk, not only to like t tackle a tough topic, but to make a game that isn't necessarily like fun in the same way that the 4X games that we've, that we do already understand are fun, you know? So I, I think one other thing I'd say to, to the point David, to David raised is that I think that skill set becomes really, really specialized if you are trying to make a good version mm -hmm. of the type of 4X that people are cranking out again and again and again. Mm -hmm. Because that is inherently this weird challenge because you have these distinct phases, the early game, the middle game, all these different systems that have to come together. Then you need end game goals, but to get there, you can't have things completely throw the game out of whack. And that, yeah, that becomes hugely complicated. But again, Flash 2, like, things like the, the parts of Beyond Earth that I really enjoyed, or Pandora... Uh, which is a pretty cool uh, Alpha Centauri follow-up, really, from, from Matrix. Uh, that game was very much taking its cues from Alpha Centauri, where what I really liked is, that, you know, at, at their best, these games were about trying to survive on a hostile world and build right. up that, uh, that sustainability engine you were talking about, David. But at this point, that became a really difficult procedure you had to follow, right? You had to, like, send huge armies out just to protect your colonists long enough so that they could build a city um, and fight off the environment and monsters. And, like, stuff like that is is really, really interesting. I, I feel like where it becomes a l really, really complicated is also where some of the unsatisfying elements we've been discussing come up, where uh, suddenly it becomes entirely driven about sort of the, 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 the race for the end game victory conditions and it loses sight of, or, or it begins to diminish the importance of uh, sort of those middle game uh, mm -hmm. interactions that sort of define, I think a series like EU four or crusader Kings, where it's always, this, it's always, there's always people you're, you're sitting around dealing with uh, and you always have sort of immediate and intermediate goals that aren't just about an end game, uh, but but are about sort of establishing procedures for minute to minute survival and 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 prosperity. Mm -hmm. I, I I think that's kind of I think that's kind of what happens. Uh, I think that's kind of the issue is, is that so much of forex involves having this one tremendous design challenge that has to you know work like clockwork from beginning to end uh, and has to be like Civ. Right. One thing I'm happy to see is is people kind of stepping into and this is never this is old as as sin is is modders stepping up to, to kind of make some of these things a little more interesting uh or or to, to push things in in new and interesting directions um again i don't think we're going to see the post-colonial mod of of civ 5 anytime soon uh but one thing i'm really excited to see is there's a there's a mod for ck2 called um crisis of the confederation which is a sci-fi mod uh because uh, that that is that is kind of like a dune meets warhammer meets mobile suit Gundam a little bit um, uh, that that has reworked the map that has you know spaceship models in it uh, and that has completely changed the basic political systems and inheritance systems of the game uh, to allow for a completely different sort way of telling um, a story about the collapse of a civilization and the rise of other other kind of um, galactic empires and, and different you know imperial forms um, and I 
our, my, our hope might not come from one of the 50 people in North America or in the world or whatever who can make a good 4X game because they've they've gone through the kind of the slog of getting the education of working in in dev houses and learning the systems and and being one of a handful of people in the world who really does understand the math behind a well balanced system. It might come from you know a, a countless collection of modders with with interesting ideas and and who can kind of see the thing not as a product that needs to be shipped for sales, but who can see the thing as like a passion project. They don't need to appeal to the people who just want the next the next four X game that's just like the last four X game. They can really make the the weird interesting thing right that i think i think that's definitely uh a point that that i need i need to acknowledge of like i think far too often i'm always just thinking (laughs) through the 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 lens of like you know is this thing a product and a game i appreciate it because because i would like to see the sorts of games we're talking about be products that that can you know i'm a big labor guy i am i am when i'm not doing freelance criticism i'm a phd student i study games and labor i'm a big like hey you should get paid for the labor you do guy i would love it if the modders who make these interesting things manage to get paid for their work um but also it's the space where interesting and often political things can can happen that would never get okayed in the boardroom necessarily you know yeah, I, I think the 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 one thing that I that that's that's sort of an idealistic vision, I think, in some ways. Uh, well, no, it, it obviously no, yeah, is. I mean, absolutely. I think my, yes. my, yeah, yeah, my issue my issue with it is, is that <sighs> I don't think we just want to see the ideas addressed and touched on. When we talk about like endless legend may not entirely hold together, mm-hmm. it holds together pretty well. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It, it it definitely has a it has a level of polish uh that that's it's very comfortable. Uh it's a very easy game to to play along with. Mm-hmm. And and I think the the problem is that for a lot of games that bring out these really interesting ideas uh, that sort of exist in the margins of like the modding community mm-hmm. or or indie games, that's also where you tend to encounter just a lot of base level foul ups. Mm-hmm. Uh, where where suddenly like yeah I can sort of see there's interesting things in here but then there's also um, you know a, a lot of indulgence I I don't necessarily need or want right, right. like or just class- like a bad UI you know like oh, yes. yeah right yeah, yeah. And, and so I I think the the thing that you know I kind of want to have my cake and eat it too right like uh, this is why I come back to Alpha Centauri <laughs> again and again it's like Firaxis made this really out there sci-fi mm-hmm. game. Uh, out of a 4X, but they were still for access. It was still Brian Reynolds. They still right. knew, what the hell, knew what the hell they were mm-hmm. doing. And at this point, I think if that arises from the mod community, like the odds are very good you are going to get sort of this weird, like, um, oh, what the hell? Like, you know, it should be a little bit Dune, but what about a Warhammer element too? Yeah, <laughs> right, Warhammer right. sounds great. Yeah, and what about right. a new, what about this mechanic that has nothing to do with everything else? Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> And so that's the thing. Is like I want those really interesting ideas, but not too many interesting ideas. Right. I no, want no. it to be pared down. You want someone to guide them into you're, being a, a thing that is coherent, understandably. Yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right, and that's and that's the that's the struggle. It's like a game exists not in a design document. It doesn't exist as a mm-hmm. piece of software. It exists as a relationship between the person that's consuming it and the thing. Yep. And and too many art. You know, there are there are games out there that are wants to do something. But they are unbalanced, bad UI, bad UX, and they just aren't played. And if something is truly to be like meaningful, if it's supposed to challenge the genre, is it supposed to challenge these these uh, sort of generic uh, realities of colonialism, of of um, 
Oh, some of these other factors of a 4x game it has to be functional and yeah. so that 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 right away that that sort of says like there's a level of expertise and a level of budget that are required to make this thing functional what comes to um, mind for me is cults and daggers have has anybody here yes, even yeah, yeah, yeah yeah where like oh i oh, on paper that is a thing i want and i've launched it and uh hmm uh you know and and i think i think the reason why i think this is an interesting scenario is that hopefully i won't it's that there can be something that I think that to be successful as a post-colonial critique, it would mean that the systems, the engendered systems would, would, would be necessarily different. Yeah. That that puzzle would be different. That the, that the, that the, the murderer is different. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that, and that, and that this is, that this is a new convention and that I want to, I want to deal with an insurrection. I want right. to deal with, um, you know, uh, I can, I can, I can, I can take it with, with like, uh, I can bring it home to Canadian, and I want to, and I want to talk about like Métis rights, or I want to yeah, talk sure. about like, 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 maybe I don't know how you make an interesting game about like needing to put French on every sign, but the notion of of <laughs> oh. of. I want cultural. that city builder though. That city builder would be a. That would be great. That would, it would be so. It would, good. it would be something. It would. It would <laughs> yeah, it might a, not a, be great. A, You're right. It would be something. Who knows? It would be a thing. <laughs> yeah. Um. But but if for someone who has um, uh, the the passion and the the idea and the the feeling to say something through uh, an entertaining strategy mm -hmm. through a problem that that. Whether or not it's a Skinner box from right from the very beginning is engaging. Right. That one more turn thing happens. It is a persuasive medium, and it's one that I want to be excited about and haven't been for a while. To go back to your mystery novel thing, right? Like we don't we don't just want mystery novels. Sometimes we want The Wire, right? Um, exactly. It's still a mystery. It's still crime. There is still uh, an element of who done it in it sometimes. But there is this, and it's still an entertaining product. It's still a thing that you can watch and enjoy and and consume hour after hour. You know, just watch watching your day disappear. But there is this other level of something else is happening. It's tickling another part of your brain. It's making you consider things in a different way. That is what Alpha Centauri did. I'd like to see it happen again. We'll see. Uh, so. I think we'll wrap it up there for a discussion of ennui and existential despair over the state of uh, forex. <laughs> I really didn't think this is where this was going to go. I thought I was going to talk about unit design or and bad and bad ship design systems, you know. But, Little uh, did you know that, that we are pitching Sims in. <laughs> no, so. Well, at, at least at least we know that that, that paradox is here to, here to save us, right, Troy? We're doing our best. <laughs> Well, par parents are smart. They figured out 4X isn't a thing. It's grand strategy. Yeah. That's right. Empire building. Empire building. Um, but anyway, I think I'm ready to dismiss class and let you enjoy recess on what's turning into just an absolutely hauntingly gorgeous spring day. Uh, I know you're all eager to get out there. Um, before you go, if you're interested in reading more of Austin's work, you can find him on Twitter at uh, Austin underscore Walker and on Patreon at patreon.com slash Austin Walker. Uh, we, we, we do hope we'll have him back again. I would, I, I've heard that you might have a thing for me in the future. I've heard there might be something ancient and Chinese to talk about in the future. Yeah, if we can get that together. It's, uh, that is a show I do want to do. 
I really want to do that. Speaking of 4X games, or speaking of grand strategy games, I think those are grand strategy games, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll Austin is another person who's into the uh, Rise of the Three Kingdoms. Uh, yeah. They're the idea of these games. It's a classic game analysis that has been suggested to me by many of you listeners. And, and it is something. It penciled in somewhere for vague it, down the road. It, yeah, it, it's on the list of shows you want to do. It's a matter of finding time in the schedule and a panel. But uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, this is uh, well, awesome. Is certainly uh, someone we should get on that show. Please, please re invite me on for that. I, I had the opportunity to write about Romance of the Three Kingdoms uh, for, for Zoya Street's Memory Insufficient uh, yeah. zine last year. Um, and that was like, that was one of those things that I did it and realized like, oh my God, this is, I wanted to write about Romance of the Three Kingdoms for like two decades. Like since I was a little boy, I didn't realize I had this need and I did it. And my heart over, it was overflowed with joy as I could write about this game and, and some of the, the neat, these games and some of the neat things that they do. So I definitely would love to be able to, to be on a, a panel for that in the future at some point. Excellent. Um, and uh, just one last note is, is of course, always, uh, this episode was produced by Michael Hermes. Uh, so thanks to him for sparing some time from child-rearing and sleeplessness uh, to put this episode together. Um, and thanks to all of you for joining me on this uh, lovely spring day. Uh, we'll be back next week with hopefully less less existential dread of, of, <laughs> of future 4X. Uh, and perhaps in a few weeks we'll, we'll find a, a 4X that we love or something and we'll talk about, about it then. Uh, but until then, this has been Three moves ahead. Uh, good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, all.